You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. We are on the second week of our series called Designed for Relationships. In order for us to talk about relationship, we need to establish first the most important relationship that we could ever find in God's Word. And I'm talking about the eternal relations of the Godhead. I would dare say that it's impossible for us to fully understand and grasp the concept of relationship. We do not understand that first. We did say that there is an eternal relations among and within the Godhead. And there's an inner working among them. And we did say that if we understand this Trinitarian perspective that we see in God's Word, it will actually affect all of life, right? We'll proceed with the second one, which is our relationship with Christ. And I'd like first to turn your Bibles for a while to John chapter 6. We will be reading from verses 60 down to verse 71. It says here, When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the very beginning those who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is in verse 65 now, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless he is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus turned to the twelve and said to them, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Let me just start off by perhaps mentioning a few things for a while. You know, every single one of us today, I would assume that we all have what we call a crossroad or a watershed moment in our life. I'm pertaining to some important decisions that we're making. And whenever we make big decisions, I want you to understand this, it sets the trajectory of our life, say, for the next 8, 10 years, isn't it? Let me put it this way. Say, for instance, one of the perhaps many watershed moments of our life is the course that you choose back in college, right? Let's say you're a senior high, you're about to decide what course you're going to take. So whatever you decide on that very day will affect the many years after that. Another watershed moment in our life could be the person that you choose to marry. Amen? Single professionals. It will set the trajectory of your life in the next 8 to 10 years. It affects the trajectory of our life. So we make many decisions and we are prayerful in making decisions. But at the end of the day, let me just say something for a while. Nothing is bigger in your life as Christians, as believers. Nothing is bigger or I would put it this way, there is no greater or bigger decision that we could ever make in our life more than the decision to follow Christ. Right? More than the decision to follow Christ. 
And I would make and establish the fact that the reason why the reason why you are here is because you are following Christ or you want to follow Christ or you want to refollow Christ. Right? So basically that's what we're going to be covering today. We will be looking into this specific aspect. We'll stream it down to all of us here as a local church and individually following Christ. And mind you, following Christ isn't just showing up in church. Amen? Following Christ isn't just posting a few Bible verses on Instagram or any social media platform. It goes way deeper than that. And that is what we're going to be looking to here now. I want us to look at these two verses first. We don't have time to do an exposition of all of this, but I'd like for us to first fix our eyes on two verses on your Bibles. I want us to look at verse 6. It says here, When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Now, I want us to look into, jump to verse 66. Coming from verse 60, I'd like for us to jump to verse 66. What do we have here? It says here, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Interesting, right? What do you see there? In a span of like seven verses, accordingly, it says here, you have many disciples who started grumbling at Christ and eventually made their way outside or out of their relationship with Christ. What is the point? Let me just say this for a while. Who am I here? Desire to follow Christ. Want to be a follower of Christ for the rest of your life. Alright? All of us. Let me put it this way. If you decide to follow Christ, we understand based from verse 60 and verse 66, it tells us that there are complexities in following Christ. Look at this. There is no guarantee that the Christian life is an easy life. Amen? You won't find it actually in God's Word. Many people preach that, but you don't find it in God's Word. There's no guarantee that the Christian walk is an easy walk. So, allow me to say this as early as now. I think this is the biggest truth that we could get. And it is the fact that as we walk our Christian walk, there are many complexities that you're going to encounter. Now, I want to show you some more verses. Look at this. I want us to look at verse 68. Turn your Bibles for a while. I mean, go to verse 68. This is Simon Peter. When Jesus started asking them, here's what happened. You folks know the scenario. People started leaving Jesus one by one. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and asks them, all right, are you guys leaving as well? And here's what Peter has to say. He says here in verse 68 and 69, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Right? So Peter starts confessing. We understand that Peter's faith wasn't a perfect faith, isn't it? Right? It wasn't a perfect faith. We understand, right? During the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ, he actually deserted the Lord. His was not a perfect faith, but it was a growing faith. All right? So at the end of the day, we can follow the, the lead from Peter that tells us that, you know, we are not expected, the Lord doesn't expect us to exercise perfect faith as long as our faith is growing. And that is what we see here in Peter. Now, there's a contrast here. Peter says, Lord, I'm going to follow you 
whatever happens on the road, I'm going to follow you. Now, look at verse 70. Did I not choose the 12? All right? Did I not choose the 12? Jesus said, and yet one of you is a, oops, ano sabi dyan? You know, sometimes we're so used to our Bible that we miss out on some of these complexities. I mean, imagine this with me for a while. This is Jesus talking to his 12. And he starts telling them, all right, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10, 11, 12. One of you is the devil. That's what he says. And then look at this. It says here, he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. So you have a contrast. You have a contrast between Peter and Judas in these verses that we have here. Why would they cover this specific aspect? I want us to understand this. When Jesus said, if you look at verse 66, verse 66 says, many people turned and no longer walked with him. Guess what? These are the external circle of disciples. And then now, Jesus zeroes in on whom? His inner circle. He zeroes in on his inner circle and tells them, one of you is the devil. My point in saying this is this fact. Everyone, all of us, we all exhibit the capacity to walk away from the Lord. Right? We all have the tendency to walk away from our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I'm saying, if you look at this, this isn't just for the casual churchgoer. This is for the victory group leader. This is for the pastor. This is for the campus missionary. Whether you're part of the external circle or inner circle, we all have the tendency to walk away from our faith. I want to look into, just by looking at these verses, I want to cover a few reasons why you and I have the tendency to leave the faith or walk away from Christ. And then I will end it with two good reasons as to why you need to keep walking with Christ. Amen? Let me start with the first one. Here's the first one. Number one, people tend to walk away from Christ. People tend to walk away from the church because Jesus says hard things. Jesus says hard things. He keeps saying hard things. Look at this. In verse 60, when many of his disciples heard, they said, this is hard saying. Who can listen to it? Now, what were the hard saying that Jesus was saying? Look at this. He invited people and starts talking about his body. And he said, he said, his body is what? Flesh and blood. Eat, feast on my flesh and blood. What are you talking about? All right, and then he starts talking about what? He starts talking about him being the son of a carpenter, yes. Son of Joseph and Mary, yes. But he says, I am sent from heaven. All right? He starts claiming many of these things. And so now, the disciples, they cannot seem to comprehend the things that he was saying. And they started leaving him one by one. Now, I don't know with you, but have you ever come to a point in your life where in, in your Bible reading, instead of understanding, you find things so puzzling? It happens to us. There are things in our Bible reading, in our Bible devotion, that we simply cannot comprehend. There are puzzling things. There are even doctrines that we do not understand. It doesn't seem to make sense. Sometimes in our devotion time, God tells you, you need to perhaps cut this off and stuff like that. It doesn't make sense at the moment. 
These are hard sayings of Jesus. And with that reason, many people live the faith. Many people live Christ. I don't know with you, but have you ever come to a point in your life wherein you've come to the Lord and told the Lord, Lord, I feel like you aren't answering my prayers. We come to those moments in our life. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we may not understand the moment, but in the greater scheme of things, we understand that God actually works for the best, for our best, and the best for His glory. So the hard sayings of Jesus is something that we see here in God's Word. There are statements in God's words, in God's Word rather, that are confusing. There are statements that are controversial. And I want us to understand this. If you want something that demands nothing, then Jesus isn't for you. If we think of the Christian faith as a faith that doesn't require commitment from us, then we will understand that perhaps Jesus isn't for us. And conversely, let me just say this for a while. If you have a Jesus who never says anything hard, then you do not have the Jesus of the Bible. Alright? Then we won't have the Jesus of the Bible. I mean, just look at these words that are littered, or rather, stories littered in the New Testament, or even in the Old Testament. Jesus would say, let the dead bury their own dead. Then come follow me. Jesus, Jesus, I want to follow you. You want to follow me? Go sell everything, then follow me. Whoops. These are hard sayings. Because like what I said, following Jesus demands something from us. Amen? It demands something from us. There are instances wherein Jesus would liken a woman to a dog. Right? You remember that Proverbs, it says, you're like a dog that returns to its own vomit. We have many of these things. Jesus, you know, covers so many hard things. The problem, I think, with the present-day Christianity that many of us embrace is we always have a sentimentalistic view of who Jesus is. Someone who doesn't demand something from us. And I think, in a way, you will discover that that is false the moment we get into God's Word. The next thing is you would understand that one of the complexities of following Christ, one of the complexities of following Christ, is not just Jesus keeps saying hard things. The other one is this, Jesus is offensive. All right? Nonetheless, this is the text that we have. All right? Jesus doesn't just say hard things. The other one is Jesus is actually offensive. Look at verse 61. It says here, but Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? And it's interesting because if you look at this, when they started grumbling, they were grumbling about a few things. What were they grumbling about? They simply wanted their manna. They wanted the physical realities. They don't want any of this teaching. They wanted the manna. And then the Jesus that turned up is a carpenter. He wasn't a Messiah soldier. And because of this, they started grumbling. And then if you remember from our miracle series, they keep wanting miracles, miracles upon miracles upon miracles. And now, we understand that they were offended. In fact, prior to this, he says, Jesus said, no one can come to the Father unless the Father draws him. You know, I realized that if you start looking into this, you would understand that Jesus is the lover of our soul. Is that right? 
Tama po ba? We also understand that Jesus is tender-hearted. Amen? We also understand that children are close to the heart of God. Alright? But that is just one facet of who Jesus is. Yes, it's true. He is tender-hearted. But He's also offensive. He starts saying, are you offended by these things? And a lot of times, if we are ignorant of these things, the reality is, sometimes we are simply worshiping a cultural Jesus more than the biblical Jesus. A cultural one more than the biblical one. You folks remember in Luke chapter 13, look how offensive this could be. If I'm not mistaken, Luke chapter 13 at the fall of Siloam, there was a tragedy that happened there, and people actually died and stuff like that. We would expect Jesus to come and say something like, my heart breaks for you, my heart grieves for you. But he didn't say those things. You know what he said? What he actually said is, now, he says, this tragedy happened, now I tell you the truth, unless you repent, you likewise will perish. Ooh. You likewise will perish. And if you have Jesus walking with us right now, the chances of you being offended by Him is actually big. Especially if you are a Christian who doesn't really have a commitment to Christ. Look, I also realized that when Jesus said, do you take offense at this? He wasn't trying to be politically correct. He wasn't like, do you take offense at this? Can we sit down? Allow me to explain myself to you. He did not say any of those things. In fact, here's what he said. Do you take offense at this? Do you take offense at this? Watch until you see me ascend to God. He brings it further. Instead of pampering them and stuff like that, he brings it further. And culturally speaking, for them, it was actually offensive. He was actually referring to what he said in verse 42 of John chapter 6. Because in John chapter 6 verse 42, he says, I am the bread that comes from heaven, isn't it? He did say that, I am the bread that comes from heaven. And then here he says, okay, you're offended by those things? Watch until this bread ascends back to heaven. Doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't care about our feelings because we understand over the death of Lazarus, Jesus actually wept. It's just that I am just saying that when we follow Christ, complexities go with it. There are complexities in following Christ. In the years that I've been in the ministry, there are several reasons. I've encountered several reasons why people leave the faith or leave the church. Several reasons. But at the end of the day, when you start sitting down with people, you could actually conclude one thing. It's actually a lordship issue. Nowadays, people would start talking about church trauma and stuff like that as if something happened to you in church. It's just that we don't want to change for the glory of the Lord. Well, I'm not undermining those realities that people are facing. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, whatever reasons that we have for leaving Christ, for walking away from the faith, at the end of the day, it boils down to our what? To the Lordship of God, our Lord Jesus Christ in our life. At the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus gave this incredible sermon, at the tail end of it, people were saying, 
you are unlike the scribes. You know why? Because you speak as one who has authority. Jesus speaks as one who has authority. He says hard things, and sometimes he could be offensive. And I don't have to talk about whether Jesus cares for people or not, because we all know that actually Jesus actually cares for people. It's just that at the end of the day, he comes and dares speak to us. Through what? Through the preaching of God's word, through your devotional time. If you're actually reading your Bible, Jesus comes and dares speak to us about his unrivaled, unparalleled authority. Nothing more, nothing less. Sometimes we're offended because we still want our autonomy. That we don't want to get under the Lordship of Christ. Here's another thing. I also realized in this verse that people started leaving Him because they realized that they cannot follow Him on their own strength. parang magyayabang lang ako. If I follow kita, Lord, remember Peter? Lord, to the death, we will follow you. Tapos iniwan si Lord. In what sense do we have that? Because at the end of the day, in verse 65, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if you look at this, ultimately, ultimately, it is the Spirit who gives life. Amen? Nothing in this place can sustain us. It's only the Holy Spirit Himself. So it's not based on our own strength. It's not based even putting up a building. It's not because of victory is good and stuff like that. No, it's all because of the faithfulness of God. Amen. And people simply cannot comprehend that because like what I said, they want to rely on their own strength. And lastly is this one. This is interesting. One of the complexities people realize when they follow Christ, firstly is, Jesus says hard things. Secondly, Jesus is offensive. Third, Jesus tells us, tells them that no one can follow him apart from the strength that they can get from God. And here's the last one. People leave Christ or walk away from Christ because in the first place, they really do not believe. Because in the first place, they really do not believe. Look at this. It says here in verse 70, Did I not choose you? Then it starts saying, Yet one of you is the devil, and it's basically pertaining to Judas Iscariot. The interesting thing here is that if you look at this, it says that Jesus knew from the beginning. Remember, can you go to verse 71? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Then Jesus actually says that from the beginning, it wasn't like Judas lost his salvation. It's just that from the beginning, he wasn't really a believer. Oops. Friends, look at this. I mean, he's one of the 12. He walks with them, acts, eats with them, looks like them, witnessed miracles with them, assisted Jesus with them. And yet, in the first place, he wasn't really a believer at all. Perhaps he just loved the church, but does not really love Christ. You know what's one evidence 
that we are truly regenerated, that we are truly Christians, it is when we love God's Word. Because they can't seem to embrace God's Word. So one of the evidence of a regenerate heart is that when that person actually loves God's Word. So the problem with Judas was, guess what? He was just following Jesus in an external sense. Friends, listen. Far be it from you and me. Amen? Sayang po yung oras nyo. Kakanta-kanta tayo dito. But victory group, victory group, but you're not really committed to Christ. Amen? And this is what we see here in the life of Judas. All of these people had been with Jesus in some external sense. And Judas here was one of those people. That's why they started leaving Jesus one by one. And eventually understand that Judas actually betrayed our Lord Jesus Christ. So now Jesus turns to them. Look at verse 67. Jesus said to them, what about you? Do you want to go away as well? So now I want to give us two good reasons. I want to give us two good reasons from what Peter said. Two good reasons why you should stay with Jesus. Alright? So, the promise is this. The promise is, there will be complexities in your following Christ. So don't go out there and then five years from now thinking, oh, this wasn't preached at church and stuff like that. No, I am telling you now, you will encounter several complexities. So I want to offer you now, I want to submit to you two good reasons why you should stay with Christ. For these two reasons, for these two reasons, number one, here's what Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Why will you stay with Christ when the going gets tough down the road? When God brings you out of Dumaguete and you can't find a local church elsewhere, why will you stay? Because Christ is the words of eternal life. I want us to turn our Bibles for a while. Please look at verse 63. Look at verse 63. Jesus said, the words that I have spoken to you, Jesus said, are spirit and life. Isn't it? Jesus said, the words that I spoke to you are spirit and life. Here's an evidence that Peter actually really believed him. Because Peter said in verse 70, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. He simply took what Jesus said and confessed it with his life. The reason why we will stay with Christ is because He has the words of eternal life. That's interesting. If you look at this, um, you will find so many inspirational figures in the history of the world. There's a lot. In the Philippines alone, you have Jose Rizal, General Luna, and all of these figures that you have. You have your favorite teachers, your favorite professors. You have politicians, government officials that we love. You will encounter so many inspirational figures in this world, 
we will encounter so many impressive people. We will encounter so many amazing teachers. We will encounter plenty of religious figures. We will encounter so many sufferers in the face of injustice, but only one. But at the end of the day, only one has the words of eternal life. And His name is Christ Jesus our Lord. Bible tells us, friends, heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God will remain. But the Word of God will remain. So I appeal to everyone that because we understand the message of the gospel, I pray that we will all live lives that will exhibit our commitment to the Lord. I hope and pray that seven years, ten years from now, 15 years from now, when we see each other at the grocery, you're still walking with the Lord. Amen? With all the complexities of life. Do you folks realize this? The complexities of life will get worse and worse down the road. It will worsen. There will be bigger inflation. There will be sickness and pandemics out there. But in the midst of those things, we only have one was the word of eternal life. And it's our Christ Jesus, our Lord. Here's another one. Here's another reason I'm going to end with this. He is the Holy One of God. He is the Holy One of God. Peter starts confessing, you are the Holy One of God. And take note of this, he was being compared to Moses and stuff like that. And that's one of the reasons why they were offended. Because Jesus starts claiming that he's greater than Moses. He starts claiming that he's greater than Moses. And so now Peter, you know, journeys from understanding that this is a holy man to a place where he says, you are the Holy One of God. You're not just one of the prophets. You're not just like Jeremiah or Isaiah or Elijah. You are the Holy One of God. He starts making this confession that Jesus is the Holy One of God. I love that if you look at the journey of Peter, he has actually journeyed from perhaps a place of doubt as to who this person is to a place of fully confessing with his life who Christ was. And I want us to understand this. I hope and pray that your minuscule, your minuscule view of who Jesus is will be shattered here today. That Jesus is not just our awi and stuff like No, He is far more than that. And Jesus was so deliberate in telling them that He's not just a wonder worker. He's not just a miracle worker. He's not just a good teacher. He is the Holy One of God. The second person of the Godhead deserving of a local church like ours and to worship Him with our life. Jesus demands worship. Amen? He demands people to follow Him. He wants disciples. Come on out. Not just churchgoers. He wants people who fully believe in the words that He says. 
and to walk in obedience on those words. And I pray that by the grace and the goodness of God, we will be those people that we will walk with God despite all of the complexities that are thrown at us. Alam nyo po, in the age of just too much content out there, that people just want to be an influencer and stuff like that, look at this. If popularity is the measure of success, then Jesus at that aspect in His speech would have failed. Because if I summarize this, hard saying, He is offensive. He tells them that you cannot follow me apart from the strength of God. He's like, the door at the back is wide open if you want to leave. If it's just gunning for popularity, we would understand that he preaches sermon and guess, guess what happens? Where people saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. No, he starts preaching and people start leaving. Because friends, he's not interested with casual followers. He's not interested with people just, you know, doing lip service. I'm a follower of Christ and stuff like that. He's not interested with Proverbs 31 woman putting the verse there and putting their pictures on it. He wants deeper commitment. He wants people to follow him. In short, Jesus was actually saying, I am not just another rabbi. I am not just the son of Joseph and Mary. I am not just a carpenter. I'm not interested in half-hearted, unreflected followers who just want to hang around with me. But instead, he says, look at this. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. In short, we understand that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.